SAFM Sports Wrap. Good evening to you. Welcome to SAFM Sports Wrap and what sporting day it has been today. If you've been following the news here on SAFM, World Football Governing Body FIFA's demanded tens of millions of dollars in damages from former officials now facing charges in the United States over mass bribery scandals that rocked world football. The organization also openly accused South Africa of paying a $10 million bribe to secure votes for the 2010 FIFA World Cup. We'll chat to, SA, uh, to Deputy Editor of SABC Sport, Janet Whitten, but later on in the show uh, to delve a little bit deeper into that story. In news out of the absurd premiership, Bloom Celtic have recalled Leslonono Sima uh, to the first team to assist head coach Sarami Letsoaka. And speaking of the premiership tonight, three matters to look forward to. University of Pretoria welcome Ajax Cape Town. Bloom Celtic are away to Mamelodi Sundowns and Bidvest Vitz welcome Orlando Pirates. There's also UEFA Champions League action to look forward to. And Arsenal have a mountain to climb. They travel to Barcelona. They need to overcome a 2-0 deficit against a team that's chasing their 10th straight Champions League home victory. The other clash takes place at the Allianz Arena, Bayern Munich, up against Juventus. ICC World 2020 action today. Bangladesh were up against Pakistan a little bit earlier on in the day. Pakistan winning that by 55 runs. England's up against the West Indies as we speak and we'll be joined by Johan LaRue in just a couple of minutes to find out exactly what's happening in that one. Meanwhile, Cricket South Africa announced that retired Judge Bernard Nkhope has been appointed as the independent non-executive chairperson of CSA's Anti-Corruption and Security Unit. On to rugby, the Sharks have made five changes to their starting 15 for their Super Rugby clash against the Bulls at Loftus Fasfeld this coming Friday. Keegan Daniels has been included in the squad for the first time since 2014. Emirates Lions will be without Warwick Tecklenburg for their clash against the Cheetahs. The flank has been suspended for a week for charging a ruck. They'll also be without Courtney Skusan and Julian Riedlinghuis, who are both injured. The good news, though, Rowan Janssen von Rensburg and Franco Mostert return after their niggles that they picked up in their last Last game in New Zealand. And finally, the 2016 Formula One season gets underway in Australia this weekend. F1 bosses are trying to bring some excitement back to the sport this year. Good news is the cars will at least make a noise due to twin exhausts that have been introduced. And there will also be a new qualifying format that will be implemented. Daniel Ricciardo shared his thoughts on that system. I think it will create a bit more pressure on, on not only the drivers but the teams to make sure that they put us out on track at the right time make sure we get a lap in before the elimination starts. Um, should be interesting. It's, it's another challenge for everyone. Hopefully, uh, it, you know, if it throws a few curveballs in there, we can uh, be on the better end of them. Also coming up on SAFM Sports Wrap this evening, we'll chat to Jeff Ailiff, who's been following today's stage at the AFSA Cape Epic, and there was a ton more drama. We'll find out more about that in a moment. But first, uh, let's uh, head to the cricket and find out what's happening at the ICC World 2020. SAFM Sports Wrap. Johan Leroux joins us now. Before we get into the match that's taking place uh, live at the moment, uh, the first match of the day saw Pakistan up against Bangladesh. Johan, uh, it was a, a pretty clinical performance by Pakistan, and when Saida Free get runs, uh, they can pretty much beat anyone, although we expected that they would have beaten Bangladesh nonetheless. Yeah, you never, never really know what to expect when uh, Pakistan takes to the field. They're kind of like the France of uh, rugby, and uh, when they got going, they got going well. Saida Free, like you mentioned, they're scoring 49 off 19, and he's been under some pressure off the field uh, that's after he said that he was more loved in India than he is by fans in Pakistan he was even served the legal notice and what a way to silence the critics 49 of 19 and then he also produced the best bowling figures 
for Pakistan, 2 for 27, and he was also named man of the match. So Pakistan scoring 201 for 5 in their 20 overs. In reply, Bangladesh fell well short, 146 for 6 is where they ended. So Pakistan winning by 55 runs. Well, the match that's taking place right now is obviously got a bit of an impact on what South Africa is going to do later on in the tournament. England up against the West Indies. What's that one looking like? Well, we were waiting for Chris Gale to get going, and he finally has. He just hit two sixes in a row. West Indies at the moment, 82 for eight after 8.5 overs. They are chasing 183. That is what England set for them, and uh, that is after Alex Hales ad and Joe Root did pretty well for the English. So they ended on 182 for six. And not a great performance by the English batsmen, but in the end, a pretty decent uh, total that they are defending. And like I said, Chris Gale, we waited for him to get going. Uh, he at one stage he faced he didn't face a, a delivery for three overs that was when uh, Marlon Samuels was still at the crease and you just waited for him to get going and uh, finally he has two sixes in a row and now he's on 35 of 19 but the first wicket to fall was that of Johnson Charles he went in the second delivery of the day dismissed by David Willey and then Marlon Samuels was dismissed by Adil Rashid for 37 Dinesh Ramdin and Chris Gale at the crease at the moment as the West Indies just moved on to 83 for 2 after 9 overs. Awesome stuff, Jan Lurie. Thank you very much. Uh, we'll come back to you before the end of the show to find out uh, how that one's progressing. But right now, let's find out what happened at the Upscape Epic today. I'm Nomusad Giren Mube, a Ministry Corporate Governance and Traditional Affairs in Guazulu Natal. As we celebrate our National Water Week, we are reminded that our country is still in the grip of a non-relenting drought. The water level in our dams are alarmingly low and many of our rivers are drying up. Our government, however, is working hard to ensure that our people have access to clean water despite the prolonged drought. We must all unite and save the little water we have left. Remember, it is the responsibility of each one of us to be water conservation ambassadors in our community. As you save water, Remember that every drop counts. Don't forget to tune into the health update tomorrow at 5 past 11. Proudly brought to you by MediClinic. Expertise you can trust. This is Sport on SAFM. Every supporter's greatest resource. Well, it was another extremely hot day in the Western Cape today, and that meant uh, there was suffering galore on the Absec Cape Epic, and we're joined now by Jeff Ailiff. Jeff, uh, it was a tough stage today, and uh, the guys and girls out there really, really struggled. Brad, absolutely, and a very good afternoon. Um, as always on the Absec Cape Epic, uh, a tough stage, brutal, brutal heat. I mean, I, it can't be stressed just how hot it is. Uh, we've left Tilbach, we've come over the pass, and we're now in the, uh, in the Wellington area. And uh, a lot of sand around today, a lot of heat, and, and certainly taking its toll throughout the field, it has to be said, from, from the leading pros right through to the end. Um, but uh, the Bulls um, continue to do the job. Uh, brilliant work from Carl Platt and Urs Huber. And they kept it together to take another stage win today. In second place, uh, Centurion Vade by Mirandol 2, Nicola Robach and Matthias Former. 
uh, two men who won the 100 stage yesterday. They're keeping uh, fairly consistent. And Topic, uh, Ergon Racing, Alban Lakata and Christian Heineck not having a great day. They'll be uh, happy with a podium, I suppose. But uh, the story of the day, uh, certainly for, for Topic, uh, was a crash from Christian Heineck. Uh, so second uh, unlucky stage for them. And uh, as far as uh, the ladies go, specialised, Olean Clements is back, Annika Langsvall. Um, both of them uh, seem to have found their, their mojo again. They pulled off the win ahead of Topic, Ergon, Sally Bingham and Adel Mar. And then Ascenders Health, Robin de Groot and Jenny Stenehard taking the third place. And uh, the women's race, living up to uh, the expectations, it is without doubt the most exciting race that we've had amongst uh, the Sassel ladies for a long, long time. And yeah, Let's talk about the ladies. There was uh, some late developments as well after today's stage with Jenny Stenehard uh, collapsing on, on the line, basically, I mean, by the sounds of it, from exhaustion. And, and she got taken away by the medics and uh, they've announced that she's, uh, she's not going to be riding. She's withdrawn. That's it, Brad. So that's the big story of the day, the big upset of the day. And as I said, the heat's certainly playing a role. But uh, it's very unusual to see uh, a pro rider, Jenny, uh, cross the line. She pushed her bike uh, into the transition zone. The next thing, she collapsed. And uh, she was clearly in, in a lot of a huge amount of discomfort. It wasn't a nice thing to see. Uh, good luck. She was battling for breath. Uh, the medics were on the spot very, very quickly. She was um, uh, sort of came around on the, on the ground and she, she looked just to be in a lot of discomfort. They put her onto a stretcher and they took her to the medical center. And as you correctly said, the news, we waiting to hear the exact, the exact details, um, but I, I'm pretty sure it was heat-related. And the news is, is that um, Jenny Stenhog is out of this 2016 Epic. Robin Foote, she'll be very disappointed. It started with so much promise. They won the prologue. They won the first stage. And, um, you know, from, from hero to zero, as the saying goes. And uh, Robin, um, she's such a great person. Will she decide to ride as an outcast tomorrow? I really don't know. Um, I, I guess she'll make, up, uh, make that decision tonight. Jeff Ayler, thank you very much for joining us here on SAFM Sports Show tonight. Gee, that race is definitely not for sissies, and we look forward to catching up again tomorrow to find out how tomorrow progresses. Thanks for your time. Thanks, Brad. Look forward to it. You're listening to Sport on SAFM, the next best thing to being at the game. You're listening to South Africa's news and information leader, and the big story of the day today is, uh, well, governing body, FIFA, demanding tens of millions of dollars in damages from former officials who are now facing charges in the United States over mass bribery scandals that have rocked world football. The story's been going on for a long, long time, and we joined now on the show by Deputy Sports Editor at uh, the SABC, Janet Witten. Janet, welcome. Uh, thanks for joining us tonight. Gee, what a, a couple of days it's been. Let, let's look at today's uh, revelations and, and, and what that means. And the big one, obviously, is uh, FIFA coming out and, and point blank saying South Africa paid a bribe to host the 2010 World Cup. And they don't mince their words or, uh, in the, in the uh, victim statement, which is what they produced and sent to the uh, New York Supreme Court today. Um, they're very, very clear. A lot of the information in the background in, in, in what they say is stuff that we knew already. The $10,000 that was in a briefcase that was handed to Darian Warner, the $10 million that was uh, transferred via a FIFA bank account to Jack Warner's account um, in the Caribbean. We knew all that already, but they say absolutely categorically that South Africa lied to them about what the money was for, and it was a simple bribe to be given to Jack Warner, Chuck Blazer, and one other conspiracy who they don't name. So um, they're not mincing their words at all. But one needs to take into consideration that this is what was contained in a victim statement. So FIFA are the victims in this whole scandal, and that's the way the...
United States Justice Department is treating them. Um, and I, I think that a lot of this is not so much that they really want to get the money back, which is what they're stating, but it's all part of the PR exercise. This is FIFA trying to fix their image still. Janet, let, let's clear that up. You, FIFA being sort of portrayed as the victim, is that just semantic so that they can press charges, or is this a way to to separate what's actually happened? I, I, I can't quite wrap my head around this. Obviously, there's lots of <laughs> former officials who, who were implicated, but they were FIFA. How can you separate the two? For me, it just does not not make sense. It doesn't really make sense, and I don't think anybody who knows anything about the story buys that completely. But that is coming not only from FIFA, but from the U.S. Justice Department themselves. And it's very important for them that FIFA get continued to be portrayed as a victim in this situation. Because if they don't, if FIFA become the organizer of this, if they become perpetrators and they become guilty then the individual cases that they have laid and the charges that they have laid against the 41 people and organizations that have already been indicted collapse because then essentially they're not individuals who've done anything wrong. It's an organization for which the individuals work. And then it would have to be FIFA that they charge. And then the whole the whole uh, proof that they need changes and everything becomes different. So the U.S. Justice Department wants FIFA to remain as victims because that's important in their cases against the individual people that they've charged so far. When this whole story broke and started unraveling, we said back then that the, the, the tentacles reach far and wide and it's starting to show that now and everything seems to be interlinked in some way or another. Uh, just uh, It was uh, yesterday, the day before, we had uh, Leslie Sidibe, former uh, SAFA uh, CEO, come out after he was banned by, by FIFA making some damning allegations about the South African Football Association and roles that they played, not in, 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 in this bribery and, and $10 million, but in max-fixing. Is this all related or is it a case of you know what that the fish rots from the head down that there's so much going on that corruption and bribery is just rampant within this organization you know i think leslie sadibia in his press conference actually made um the the, the the link without going into too much detail but he he essentially kind of didn't separate what had happened to him as well as the two referees steve goddard and adil carlson and he didn't separate it from the wider scandal and i think he's right in that in that sense that this is just part of the way things the, the way things worked and it was why things happened so easily because everybody who was involved and anybody who had any connection with fifa knew that this is the way things operated. If you want to get things done, this is the way it works. So yes, I think that even though these those cases are separate, I mean, this is to do with the hosting of the, of the 2010 People's World Cup, and those were specifically about match fixing that the, that that, uh, that they were that they've been charged with, and the reason that they've been banned. I think they are interlinked, as you said, because the fish does rot from the head down, um, and and it and it can't be separated. And FIFA is de- desperate to separate all of these because if they don't get separated, then FIFA itself becomes guilty, and they don't want that to happen. Janet, you said that's how the organisation was run. We'll get on to the current administration now, but we saw the election for a new president just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, South Africa candidate Toke Sehwale stepping down at the last minute. Do you think now in hindsight he could have been made aware of these allegations that were coming a, a couple of weeks later and it was in his best interest and the best interest of South Africa not to have the president of the organisation all of a sudden now the organisation saying that we paid a bribe? You're presuming that he didn't know them know that all along. I'm not so sure that that's a presumption <laughs> that we can make at this stage. <laughs> 
yes, I hear the, I hear what you're saying, but I don't think that I don't think that Tokyo Sequale was the problem here, and I, I don't think that this story is going to go away because if you read um, the, 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 this court uh, statement that uh, FIFA made today, at the end they stipulate what they want money back for, what restitution they're looking for. They don't stipulate amounts as far as. Uh, you know, the damage to their reputation is concerned. They have a very specific amount of money that they want to claim back for salaries from the various people. And then they very specifically say they want the money back for the theft of $10 million from Jack Warner, Chuck Blazer, and co-conspirators. Who are those co-conspirators? I don't think it's just those on the receiving end. I think that they, that, that, that they aren't mentioning it because it hasn't been proved yet, but those co-conspirators might very well include the South African officials who agreed to, paid, and knew about that $10 million and what FIFA are alleging it was for. That's what I wanted to ask. What are the implications for the South African officials? We've obviously, or, or I say we've, they've come out and denied it, saying it wasn't a bribe, it was a payment to the legacy uh, that's, that they've, they've said all along. It's, it's again, the, the corrupter and corruptee. You can't have one without the other. It, it raises serious questions and rings alarm bells. Are we going to see more to this, Janet? Are we going to see South Africans indicted in this? I think that we might very well indeed, but uh, but let's make it clear that that Jack Warner's um, has denied all along that he he took a bribe, and the South Africans have denied that he paid a bribe. So so both sides on this alleged bribery scam have been singing from the same hymn sheet. Um, how long that stays that way? Jack Warner is facing a multitude of chances of, of, of charges. Is he going to decide at some point, well, if I give them information, maybe they'll let me off a little bit, maybe they'll make a thing and I'll, I'll sell, you know, a, a, B and C down the river and then maybe I won't, char- won't face charges X, Y and Z. That could very well happen, but I don't think this is going to, going to go away. Somewhere there's a document that's going to be found, as it always seems to be in this situation, that proves that somebody knew that this wasn't uh, uh, it, it wasn't a gift to um, to, 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 the, to the African diaspora, which has always sounded such a strange argument to everybody who's, who's, who's been following the story anyway. Janet, then finally, the, the current and new leadership that have just been elected, are, are we seeing much of the same, or do you think that uh, you know, Infantini is, is the right guy to sort this mess out? You know, I think that the key here is the reform packages that were agreed to at the same time that Gianni Infantino was elected. And those reform packages are quite far-reaching um, in terms of what FIFA has ever done before. But are they far-reaching enough to, to, to root out the problem that they, that they are facing at the moment? And I don't think so. I think that those reform packages were all part of the PR exercise as well. And it seems that those who, 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 who understand the legalities of it seem to, seem to think that uh, these reform packages are not going to prevent this kind of thing from continuing. Um, and not everybody's been caught and not everybody's been found out. So there are undoubtedly still corrupt individuals within FIFA who just haven't been caught yet and people who've been kind of shaking the tree a little bit and, you know, doing doing things that, you know, this is probably not really the right thing to do, but listen, I'll get away with it because we've been getting away with it for years. Those individuals are still there. I think Gianni Infantino... Is, is, is making a big effort, but I think FIFA as an organization, as I said, I think that for the last year, they haven't really been trying to fix the problem. They haven't really been trying to root out the problem. They've only come clean with things that have been discovered by somebody else. I think that this is a giant PR exercise for them. They're trying to fix their reputation, not the organization. 
Yeah, and we'll leave it at that. Janet Witten, Deputy Sports Editor at the SABC, thank you for joining us this evening and uh, giving us your take on this whole issue. Follow it closely, because uh, if you want to see how to unscramble an egg, this may be it. Janet, thank you much for your time. Much appreciated. My pleasure. You're a departures controller for SAA on your way to your office when you spot an elderly lady looking dazed and confused. You stop and offer your assistance. But as soon as you leave, a colleague calls you back. The old lady is in tears. I know you, she says. Yes, I just helped you, you say. No, she says, I've known you for 43 years. And that's when you realize you're looking into the eyes of your own mother's long-lost best friend. Suddenly, the old lady's not the only one crying. Carol Ann's story took her back 43 years. Where did yours take you? Submit your SAA story on our Facebook page and you could be in our next ad. Or book your seat now and create a story of your own. With South African Airways, there's a story in every seat. Book yours now at flysaa.com. Scalpel? Nurse, hand me the... What was that? What happened? Power's out, Doctor. What? Well, when does the generator kick in? I don't know, but she's going into shock, Doctor. Her heart's failing. I need that machine. Every year, innocent lives are lost due to electricity theft. Report electricity theft anonymously by sending an SMS to 32211. SMSs cost one rand. Operation Kanisa. The power is in your hands. SAFM Sports Wrap. Well, we are past week three of the brand new 2016 Super Rugby season. And uh, there have been one or two surprises, uh, one or two things going, I think, according to plan. And I want to analyse uh, what's happened so far. And we join now by rugby analyst from Front Row Grunt, Tank Landing. Tank, welcome uh, back onto SAFM Sports Wrap. Thanks for, for joining us tonight. Dad, always good to chat. How are you, sir? Yeah, fantastic. Tank, let's get the tough questions out of the way first. Have you figured out this format yet? <laughs> no, I'm leaving it to the Brainiac, man. <laughs> I, just, I just watch the rugby with the beer in hand and hope for the best. <laughs> as Goldberger said, as long as you win most of your games by the end of the season, you should be in the playoffs. So that's that's all that's important. <laughs> Tank, what's, what's been the biggest, biggest surprise for you from a South African team perspective so far this season? Oh, yeah, surprise-wise... Um Yes. <laughs> I'll go back to the flat-eared folk. But I mean, last year's um, storm and scrum was, was was extraordinary. And I expected the same thing to happen. I mean, obviously they lost, they lost even Kitsop and Matt Proud for the coach no longer there. But my word, I've, I've been quite surprised with how fallible that, that has turned out to be. And I think it was, uh, you know, it was one of the reasons why, why, um, why they, why they came unstuck against the Sharks at, uh, at Newlands. And then, um, yeah, I suppose no, no real surprise, but to the way the Lions have embraced sort of ball in hand, the way they played carry cup rugby, and they just carried on the, you know, the way that they, they, they did last year, um, as, as, yeah, less surprising, but more just enjoyable. Would you say that Lions team is the, is the South African team that's impressed you the most? I mean, they, they won in New Zealand. They've never done that. Uh, this past weekend, they probably weren't at their best. They'll be disappointed with that. But they've picked up two on, on the road. Yes, the first one against the Thunwolves probably expected that they should have won it. They weren't at their best there. But they come back home now with, with some good points uh, from, their, from their road trip. Yeah, they do. Look at the worrying signs would, would again, a bit like the Stormers, would be, I mean, uh, would be their scrum. Uh, you know, they, they started this whole... Uh, get your scrum right and, and don't even use your hook. You, know, you, you push over the ball instead of hooking it. And they looked a little bit creaky against the Highlanders. Sure, they were playing their, their sort of second string punter. But, um, uh, yeah, I suppose it, for, for me, the, the form that has been the, the most surprising of the side that's most surprised me is, has been the Sharks. I mean, I think they always had the potential. Um, uh, and, you know, uh, you know the, the Lions as well. But, uh, you know, the Sharks, 
last year were really iffy. And I think they struggled because Gary Gold came back from Japan late. He wasn't part of the preseason. They had, uh, you know, even just to quote Gary, I mean, they had too many prima donnas in that side. And, and, and what's happened is that he's been part of the preseason now. They've got rid of a couple of really big names and uh, they look a bit more workmanlike. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think they look, they, they look the form side of, of, uh, of the tournament for us at the moment. Yeah, I was quite surprised this past weekend. I picked the Stormers to, to win it, and uh, I wouldn't say convincingly, but I thought they definitely would have beaten the Sharks. So, so that result surprised me. Looking at the Sharks this coming weekend, uh, they've made uh, a few changes to their starting 15, and, and the one that, that sort of raised my eyebrows was Keegan Daniel back. He hasn't, he hasn't uh, been in the matchday squad since 2014. That, that's an interesting selection. It is indeed, and um, I mean, I think he's a great player. Um, you know, they've obviously the Dupree brothers have taken the tournament by storm, uh, and now Jean-Luc's injured, so obviously they, they, they need to change a little bit. But yeah, also it's quite surprising they got Philip van der Waals at seven instead of eight, but I mean, that, that's probably still going to work. But Marcel could see there, you know, he's just such a machine at six. Um, so I think, yeah, it's, I think it's fantastic to see Daniel back on uh, on the bench, and he adds huge depth. He can obviously play eight or seven and probably even six of the, you know, had a stretch. That's where he started his career. So, yeah, I, I think that adds depth. Um, they've changed, they've tweaked up front. I mean, Kuni Ostasen hasn't been bad, but I think, uh, you know, Lowe's Orient is one of the form targets, and that shock scrum really looks good with him there, so they've got him starting. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I actually had the pleasure of having a glass of wine with Gary Gold and, you know, after the, the Stormers game. I mean, you know, obviously, as chuffed as it can be uh, after the game. Um, but, yeah, he, he's been impressed with, with Adrianza as well. And uh, and I think yeah, that'll be a key battle is, is up front uh, on Loftus on, on, on Friday night. Yeah, against the Bulls. And, and let, let's just talk about the Kings. I mean, they, they had a, a torrid time coming into the Super Rugby season. I think they're in for a long season. But but everyone sort of expected them to be the whipping boys. And, and yes, they haven't come close to winning a game yet, but I thought they were going to get beaten a lot badly, uh, a lot a lot worse than what they have. Uh, have. Have they surprised you, or is it pretty much what you expected? Um, you know, look, I mean, it's just a disgrace, actually. Um, the, the way we, as a, as a nation, as a, as, a, as a governing body, have let this carry on is absolutely abysmal. And, you know, it's actually, you know, many things upset me. And, you know, in the world of sports, so many things go right and wrong. But this has just gone so dreadfully wrong. So the fact that they've actually got a side out surprised me. Um, you know, we've all read all the horror stories. But, you know, I was hearing from people just on the weekend that, you know, their training has been a spin class at the local Virgin Actors and then getting a pair of shorts and a jersey on a Friday evening. That's how bad it's been. Um, so, yeah, the fact that they're, they're actually putting out a side, they're putting out a side with heart, I, I like. You know, they've got a little bit of, you know, going for the jersey, we, you know, these, these are bad times. And I, I, it's, it's great to see that. Um, for me, the, the, the stand-up there has been a guy called Chris Clicky. that he's a, uh, a ninety to the ball open sider, and I'm always a big fan of, a, of, of an open sider playing to the ball a bit like Pixia, you know, a bit like Hanif Rousseau. And uh, yeah, I was very surprised to see the Stormers let him go, and he he was fantastic on the weekend. So there is a little bit of good there, but yeah, I, I think in general, you know, it's, it's a really horrible scenario, and I, I just hope we, we, we get it right sooner rather than later. Mm, and it's going to be a long season, and depth is definitely going to come into play later on, so it'll be interesting to see how they do cope with that. Unfortunately, Tank, we have run out of time, didn't even touch on the Bulls and the Cheetahs, but uh, yeah, enjoy this coming weekend, and, and I'm sure we'll get you back on in, in a few weeks' time, where we can chat uh, chat some more about uh, some of the other teams that, that are, are, are looking looking good and, and promising, particularly from an international point of view, but uh, we'll save that for another day. Thanks for your time.
And your pleasure. Go well. SAFM Sports Wrap. Well, before we do wrap things up this evening, let's uh, find out what's happening with that cricket. It is uh, the first match in Group 1, England, the West Indies, part of the Super 10s. Johan Leroux joins us now. Johan, the West Indies have lost a couple of wickets, but uh, most importantly, Chris Gale is still there and he's looking good. Looking very good indeed. He's currently 61 of 30. The West Indies 1-1-9 for 4 after 12.4 overs. The target is 183. So with Chris Gale there, you would expect that they would cruise home. They do still have 7 overs left. And uh, just joining Chris Gale now was Andre Russell after Dwayne Bravo was dismissed by Topley for 2 a short while ago. So the West Indies could claim the top spot in Group 1 for the moment. Of course, the other teams haven't gotten underway yet. Tomorrow it will be Afghanistan. Afghanistan taking on Sri Lanka before the Proteas. They get their campaign underway against the team in action. Yeah, England, that match takes place on Friday at 4 o'clock. Fantastic. Honoru, thank you very much for that. We'll chat again tomorrow uh, as the tournament progresses. We're looking forward to the Proteas in action this coming weekend. Don't forget, you can catch more sport tomorrow morning on AM Live with Janet Witten. I'm sure there'll be more about that FIFA story as uh, the story expands and grows overnight. We'll be back again tomorrow afternoon. I'll be joining you on PM Live and then the PSL radio show, Second Jalo, tomorrow night at 6.30. From myself, Brad Brown, and my producer, Siobhan Tetti, tonight, thank you so much for listening. We look forward to uh, touching base with you once again tomorrow. Coming up on the other side of 7 o'clock, it is the talk shop with Naledi Maleo, and there are some big stories uh, to get through tonight as well, so make sure you stay tuned. But right now, though, it is 7 o'clock, and Greg Hose has your news.